everyone to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host today. Don't forget to keep following along. You can go to discopossepodcast.com, get show notes, links, and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And with that, let's get started. All right. Well, I'm super excited today to welcome a couple of folks who who've, are doing neat things. Uh, like if you are in the developer space, you should be aware of, of Clubhouse. If you're not, you're going to want to look it up by the end of this conversation. Uh, I'm a fan, even coming from the ops side, uh, you know, working through different uh, development products and, and projects myself. I'm really digging in. I'm a user of the platform. Uh, with that, I would love to welcome Kurt and Mitch from Clubhouse today. And uh, folks, if you want to introduce yourselves, give a quick bio. And then we're going to jump into, you know, what the, what Clubhouse is and kind of the, the cool way you're solving the problems you're solving. Cool. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Eric. This is Kurt Schrader. Uh, I'm the CEO, co-founder at Clubhouse. Uh, and we launched about three years ago. We're trying to build a set of tools that works really well for engineering teams, operations teams, design teams, sort of everybody that builds software now to help them track their work and, and make life easier and, and better and more enjoyable sort of day to day and, and really kind of bring joy to those teams as they, they build, you know, the software that we all uh, rely on every day. And hey, this is uh, Mitch Wainer, uh, CMO at Clubhouse. Uh, prior to Clubhouse, I uh, co-founded a cloud infrastructure company called DigitalOcean. Um, so I'm very familiar with the uh, dev tool ecosystem and, and know firsthand what it means to uh, meet the bar of developers uh, in, in, in terms of their expectations and, and meeting the standard there. So um, key reason why I joined Clubhouse here is, you know, it's, it's a tool, a, a project management platform that's loved by software teams and developers. And, um, you know, I'm excited to, to help tell that story here and, and work closely with, with Kurt and team to, to bring that to life. So, um, yeah, excited to, to dig in here. What what I love is uh, you know you've you, you're tapping into an exciting market, a challenging market. Let me tell you, you know, developers they, they talk about the new kingmakers, whatever you wanna you wanna, you know, put around the the phrasing of it. Really, development teams have an incredible access to you know kind of buying in decision power in in companies. They can create the fate of of products and platforms. You know, we, we all have our, our things that we love and, and tools we love. I, I've made my way through the ecosystems of different product management and project management stuff for years. So it's cool, you know, and when I, I stumbled upon Clubhouse not too long ago, and then I was lucky enough, uh, so I know your uh, Amber Roland, who, big shout out to Amber, uh, so she helps with, uh, with some of the PR work that, uh, for your team. And I was like, okay, this is a no-brainer. I love Clubhouse. I love the the user experience and kind of how easy it was for me to understand what, how to use it and how to get value wicked fast. So, you know, maybe just start, you know, Kurt, if you want to wrap around, why did you create Clubhouse and, and you know, how's the three years? It's, it's probably gone by fast and slow at the same time. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my background is I've been building and, and running engineering teams for 20 years now. Um, I have been everything from a 
an engineering lead at a small 10 person company. My last company went from five of us to about 150 people. And I, I was the CTO there all the way up to working with and, and running teams at, at places like uh, the Gap in San Francisco and, and GM outside of Detroit. So I've kind of been all over the place from, from banks to small startups. And I think I've been complaining about the tool set that you have to use in these roles for almost that entire period of time. So coming off my last role, uh, I, I, I wanted to start another company. And, uh, you know, when it, when it, when I thought about what did it make sense for me to do, what did I know best? Like this, this was kind of the place. And I, I just felt like the tools out there were fine, but they were kind of old and, and clunky and, you know, didn't really reflect sort of what a, what a modern or today's software team wanted to use and wanted to do and sort of lived up to the expectations that I had of things I wanted to use. You know, when we think about things like a Slack or a GitHub, you know, I think there's a certain expectation for a lot of the ways they, they function and, and, you know, how well they work and how they make teams work better together. And, and from my viewpoint, uh, this uh, product and project management piece hadn't really kept up with that. And I just, you know, started from that perspective, you know, can we build something that uh, teams will want to use that will bring, bring teams joy that, that will still let them get their work done and, and coordinate on things, but really, work better uh, when you have a, a, a modern software team and, and all the different pieces that, that go into that. And that's really the trick is that when we, we take on a product, you know, and we want to want to solve things, it's gotta, it's gotta feel natural. It's gotta not be the thing you're doing. Like if I'm developing a product or, or running a team, I don't want to spend my life filling out spreadsheets and doing like I, I've I've had it with tons of different things, whether it's like a single little mini project that I'm running or, or building a, a specific product, yeah, you know, even like a little hackathon, you know, something we do where you're like, I can't be spending the entire time on infrastructure because that'll kill me. I, I, I feel like to do this, you know, that's my style. And it was weird when I jumped in and, and I've tried different, you know, ways of doing project management with some of the development tools and they all, they looked very familiar because I'm, I'm super old school and I came from the, the waterfall days and I was like, ah, okay, I see where this makes sense to those people, but it's leaning towards this. And it really felt like when I looked at clubhouse and I jumped in, I'm like, that's gone. This is like, if I'm a, if I'm today's developer, I, I, it just makes sense. Uh, how's the, how's the reception been and how did you kind of, how'd you get there, <laughs> you know, in, in, in making sure that you, you satisfied a broad community that has probably a lot of distinct needs. Yeah, it's it's a good uh, good question. And looking back, uh, I don't think I you know realized sort of how tall the hill was, even though I've been doing this for for such a long time. Um, but you know, we started first of all with with sort of thinking about sort of what is it if you have a ten or a twenty person team, what does that look like? And 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 sort of with an eye towards working with bigger teams, but really thinking about sort of what does a developer on that team need? What does a product person on that team need? Uh, what do other people involved in those that team need, right? And, and I think one thing we've tried to do, uh, very early on we built, built GitHub integration that was very tightly integrated so developers could work where they wanted to work, right? And, and you know, we've scaled that up from there. Uh, but, but we always try to keep a, a lens on anything we do that says, how does this affect a developer? How does this affect your sort of, on the ground product people, right? And, and I think that's important, right? It's easy to lose sight of that 
a lot of times when you're when you start to build up and and the people that are actually writing the checks are, are somebody way up the chain uh and you know having been that person before like i think i'm acutely aware of how that how that goes uh but you know what what we've tried to do is is sort of you know make the right trade-offs to to really you know, keep things fast, keep things, uh, you know, easy to use and, and safe and really let people work where they want to work. So if you, if you use Git, do that. Uh, we're, we're doing something similar now at looking into doing something similar with, with Figma and the design side, because that's where people we're, we're seeing, you know, all the designers that use Clubhouse want to work over there. Right. So how can we let people do things there and then get to a point where it says, this is good to go. And, and it will automatically move things on the Clubhouse set. So, you know, really be that sort of hub and, and that coordination point, but, but let people work where they're comfortable. And when they come to Clubhouse, like make it as easy as possible for them to, to dig in, you know, focus in on the work they need to do uh, and, and, and just get it done and, and get back to what, whatever else they're, they're working on, right? And then if your job is uh, product manager or VP of product or VP of engineering and Clubhouse is where you live all day long, you know, how can we build that tool set on top of that, that, that really makes your life easy and, and, you know, gives you everything you need to get your job done as well. So that's how we've kind of all, always approached things. And then, you know, when we started, like I said, we, we, we looked at small companies and we've just sort of been scaling up from there. Our biggest companies now have, have close to 500 people in using Clubhouse. So we just sort of keep raising that bar and saying, you know, our biggest company, you know, two years ago was 200 people. What do they need? And what does a 300 person company need? And, and just sort of thinking about sort of how to, how to keep sort of raising that bar without losing, losing the core of, of what we originally built. And, and that's sort of, you know, it's, it's going to be a challenge as we continue to grow, but, but it's, it's sort of, you know, what, what we've been building around and, and trying to, you know, keep things enjoyable for everybody using the system as we continue to grow. And keeping the customer focus is super important in this audience, especially. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk in a bit about the challenge of who you market to versus who you sell to, because it's always a, a an interesting conversation, especially with so many products that are out there trying to like grab the free 10 users, you know, and like, oh, it's easy to kind of get started and dabble with it. And then people find those, either the hooks to take them to the next tier or they find the limitations it sometimes it takes a little longer, so that may slow down your ability to kind of like, hey, you know, come over here too. Uh, but uh, you know, interesting, interesting challenge, especially as well. I love that your approach is you're scaling with the customers. Let's not just, you know, we're going to launch, we're going to hyperscale immediately. Like huge respect to folks that are that are targeting that approach. But you know, I'm also, I mean, I'm too Canadian. Maybe I just I like to stay the humble roots, and then you scale with it, and, and you watch the use cases grow around you. Now, Mitch, you know, you've, you've been, you've been a CMO, you've watched some interesting scale decisions you've made in the past and, and you've having known, you know, how you approach marketing at, at your previous company, super happy to see that you're here and, and I'm seeing it, you know, in the way that your, your content is created. What's your approach to, you know, telling the story of, of what Clubhouse can do and, and how to differentiate so the way um, we're carving out, you know, the, our space in the market is really to, you know, hone in on, on software development, right? And if you take a look at, you know, all the existing tools in market, because, you know, project management is a very saturated space, right? Um, there's plenty of tools out there. Um, but in, 
in our opinion, there's very few tools that do a, a good job in the software development space. Um, just because it, it requires more structure and more flexibility for software teams and for developers to be successful. Um, so we're really honing in on making sure that we're creating the best experience for software teams. Um, and, you know, to Kurt's point earlier, creating a very, you know, fun and enjoyable experience for those teams on, on Clubhouse. And so we really believe that we're the best place for software teams to do their best work, right? And that is the position and the, you know, pl platform that we're creating. Um, and, you know, a, a, another key reason why I joined Clubhouse and, you know, uh, when I left DO um, was I saw that the legacy tools that exist in market, like Jira, have uh, siloed engineering teams from the rest of the organization, from collaborating, from communicating, um, from working closely with um, teams that are critical to the software development lifecycle, the product development lifecycle. So when you think about, you know, planning uh, a product and, you know, collecting customer feedback, you, you need the support team to be involved in that process. Um, when you think about launching a product, marketing has to be involved in the release plans and the timing of that release. And so teams outside of engineering and product need to be involved in, in the life cycle of these products and applications. Um, and I believe that Clubhouse has, has solved that problem um, because there isn't a, a, an alternative or there isn't a solution out there outside of Clubhouse that exists that, that breaks down silos for software development. Um, and as software is eating the world and more and more companies become software defined, right? The developers and the engineering teams are the ones who are adopting tools into the organization. And they're the ones who are making decisions at these organizations, right? So if we can win the hearts and minds of the software teams, but also make the, the product simple and intuitive, and enjoyable for outside teams or other teams to collaborate with engineers, that's gonna that's gonna create the the you know the best products the you know that's what's gonna create quality software at the end of the day which is the goal for you know these these software teams right and you know Clubhouse has has broken down these silos and we're seeing these use cases exist on the platform today where you know entire startups or entire organizations are adopting Clubhouse to manage multiple workflows in their, in their organization. Um, full story is a startup in Atlanta. Um, and you know, they are a product, um, uh, recording screencast company that tracks user behavior and, um, they're growing very fast. Their entire company uses clubhouse, including the CEO and he, and the CEO has a bird's eye view of what's happening across these different teams. So if you're the CTO or the CEO, you know, you're going to have a hard time, uh, you know, seeing progress from uh, A to Z on software projects, especially if your company adopts multiple PM tools, right? Because you're going to have fragmented communication, you're going to have fragmented workflows. And so, you know, if we can be this kind of go-to platform for, um, you know, collaboration across the business, that's going to create more visibility for the CEO, for the CTO. 
Amen to that. Having, you know, been the the one that's always going to say, look, here's where we are. You create these roll up project plans and, and you know, reports, and then you got to glue them together, create some nice, you know, nice looking pie charts. You hand them to the, you know, product to the management team at the end of each week. And you realize like this is, this shouldn't be multiple tools. Uh, so it's good. Now, I, I think for folks that are listening, especially who are working with development teams, it's a very particular, you know, user. They they love things, and then they immediately don't love them. It, it's a I, it feels to me like quite often, a developers are they really fall in love with a, a product, and it's also difficult to get that love, and it's easy to lose it. You know, maybe you know, start with Mitch and and also Kurt. Love to hear your thoughts on what's your experience been. You know, in in marketing to those people, given you've got you're you were that person. You know, how does how does that? Am I am I the odd one out? Maybe because I'm an ops kid. <laughs> well, in, in terms of how you market to um, you know developers and and you know, it's all about being transparent. It's all about being authentic. Um, it's about being as detailed and as specific as you can to, you know, share the details of, of how, you know, the product works. Um, you know, it's having a, a, a well-crafted API to set up integrations and automate workflows and, and to, um, you know, have deep integrations with, with the tools that they use like GitHub and being able to update stories within Clubhouse via pull requests and, and having markdown support and just keeping the developer experience front and center um, and just being really clear about all those details in our messaging, in our story, in the marketing site. Um, that is, that's critical for us to be successful. Ultimately, our, our marketing site um, is, is, you know, our front door and, you know, the, the story and the details have to be there for us to be successful. Um, and it's just, you know, investing in, in, in uh, you know, content and programs that give back to the community in different ways and, and educate the community. And, um, you know, I, I saw the, the impact of that firsthand at, at DO. You know, we did a lot of, of open source uh, initiatives and, and partnerships to give back to open source. And um, we wrote a ton of content on open source uh, software. Um, how-to reference materials, and you know we're we're we're, we're doing a lot of that now at, at at Clubhouse. You know we're we're writing a lot of content to educate developers on on different technologies, and um, you know we're we're taking an opinionated stance on how software teams should work um, to be successful and how quality software is made from A to Z. Um, so that that also is is a key part to our strategy. And you know at, at the end of the day, um, you know I can I can shout from the rooftops and say Clubhouse is the best tool, but ultimately it comes down to the product and, and you know, the product needs to speak for itself. We will always be a, a product-led company um, and the, the product experience is always our, our number one focus um, as we grow uh, because ultimately that's what's going to drive word of mouth. That's what's going to drive our, our you know, long-term sustainable growth. You had me at transparency and community. <laughs> two sure. two things that that lead, especially number one. I love when you can go to a website and get to the pricing page on the main link. You know, uh, I, so a friend of mine he always jokes. He says, "If I have to, you know, go digging around and make a phone call in order to find out the pricing, is I can find out how much it is to ship a shoebox to space it by SpaceX." There's no way that your little goofy SaaS company can't tell me how much it costs per user per month. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think uh, you know one thing we've tried to do from the very beginning. One of our one of our core values is is just treat people right, and I think that feeds into it, right? Like we don't have uh, have I guess we have one person who sort of helps people through the trial process if they need help, but but no salespeople are, are going to bother you. Uh, nobody's going to reach out, but at the same time, you know, we try to be very responsive on the support side and, and, you know, try to help people. Mitch talked about building out our, our content, you know, places where we think we can, we can really help people and, and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll benefit from some of the, the halo effect of, of that, of just, you know, treating people right, you know, being good citizens and, and that extends to everything from, you know, uh, trying to help people out when they're getting onboarded to, you know, telling people occasionally, maybe we're not the right tool for you, right? If you have a hundred thousand person engineering organization and you need, you know, you talked about those, those charts you build in Excel to do the product plan and stuff. Like we're not at that level for a hundred thousand person organization, right? As an example. So like, well, we might tell you to go, go look at something else because we're just not there yet. But I, I think it all hopefully will build up over time and, 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 you know, we'll ultimately pay, pay, pay back over time. Well, and it, it's definitely the the listening experience that you've shown and you've talked about is one that you know I I find the the successfully adopted platforms will get further and stronger because of that versus you know it, it a lot of them that are like aiming for breadth of features to try and draw in more users and then it becomes really, really challenging to keep that consistent user experience. Like if you stay focused, if you grow with your customer base, I'm a big fan of, uh, of the, the folks at, uh, uh, goodness gracious, it's Basecamp, it used to be 37 Signals. Um, so they, they uh, David Hanemeyer Hansen and, and Jason Freed, who I was fans because I was a Ruby guy for a long time or like an ops team in, in a Ruby on Rails environment. And I love that approach and, and your team is, is taking that approach and, and that's, what I respect. It's not about going out and can we be the Uber of, you know, development project management tools? Like, no, no, <laughs> someone could be, maybe, I don't know, but I, I, I just, I don't see, they wouldn't be on this podcast because that's not the person that I want to talk to. Um, you know, yeah. so we, Kurt, we, you we like to think of it as the world's slowest uh, viral loop when people <laughs> move to a new job somewhere else and they've used Clubhouse and they just can't, can't, can't bear the thought of using another tool. So they, they bring it along with them. So slowly, slowly, slowly that will pay itself back, right? That's it. That's it. But it's, it's really, you know, it's, we, we have our eyes as technologists and, and like <clears throat> tech, tech industry watchers. We, we only watch for these like monster, you know, hyper growth companies. And that's, that's a neat story, but like, there's just so much opportunity uh, for, for, you know, your team and, and tons of us in, in the software world, we're like, look, I don't need to be a unicorn status in, in two years and then aiming for IPO. I, I just big respect for people if that's their target, you know, but at this time, like, I don't believe that you could truly gain the developer and user trust while also at the same time doing that other thing. It's like, this is a very specific and distinct market. And uh, I, again, huge respect that you're, you're bringing something that just works and that makes sense. Uh, so I've tried it out with, with just project teams, not even building digital products, but literally just like, how do we manage a marketing team? And I've actually found it to be very successful. Again, mapping the, the, the strategies and methods that you use in development teams 
and saying like, hey, if they can build this product, well, what is marketing? It's a product. They have campaigns, hmm, epics. You know, like it's very easily maps out. And now I've even got my own team working in one week sprints and, and you know, they're, we think differently. We do stuff because we've learned from the successes of, of software tools. So how, obviously developers, big audience. Do you think that, have you got other folks again that are using it in that way as well? Like just like business teams that are thinking, I can manage a project, not necessarily a software building you know, with this. Yeah, so our, our focus has, has been from day one on developers and, and product managers. That's what we know best. Um, and I think it's led to uh, really a, a good, good product for, for all those audiences. But I think you've keyed into something that, that we've seen as well, is that more and more teams uh, both adjacent and, and and just also other sort of random teams are, are showing up on Clubhouse. So we'll see the marketing team working alongside the software team uh, because, you know, the teams are constantly shipping at this point and the marketing team needs to be ready to go with a blog post or an article or a Twitter tweet uh, or, or any of those things. So uh, we're seeing more and more of that. We're seeing more and more teams pull in. And then we are seeing more and more um, teams. Uh, you know, we got a support ticket not too long ago that, that asked us to change the name of, of story to something else. And, and I can't remember what it was, but we said, no, you, you can't do that yet. Uh, it's something we're thinking about. You know, why do you want to do this? And they said, oh, we're not a software team. We're a construction company. That's why we're <laughs> doing it, right? So, um yeah, we have, we just, just crossed, I think, 2,000 2, companies using Clubhouse. So uh, I don't know the story of everyone there anymore, but, uh, you know, I, I, think it's, I think it's an interesting place. And, and, you know, we sit around internally and, and discuss this. And, uh, you know, I think our, our strategy, at least for the next, you know, four or five years, is just keep our focus on software teams, really build the best tool there. And, you know, we'll, we'll figure out sort of what those adjacencies look like over time and, and sort of build things out. Uh, we're not going to build, I don't think we're going to build a, you know, a Salesforce integration anytime soon, but, but I, we're seeing more and more companies get value out of it. And I, I think another piece, just thinking about it and, and something we see is that because Clubhouse is, you know, I think accessible and people can understand it and it's reasonably safe, it's hard to really, uh, you know, ruin, ruin another team's project or, or something like that like I think we're seeing more and more uh, teams you know what bring other teams into it right so your software team you know place where I worked before we, we sort of kept our uh, uh, work planning tool sort of siloed off right and uh, we, we're seeing more, more people sort of break down that silo so everyone can see what's going on uh, both as, as contributors and, and as and as read-only users uh, but but that's been an interesting thing that, that has happened. And, and when we talk to people, it's just because, you know, this, this works like a modern application. It's fast. Uh, people understand it. They don't, you don't have to go and do, you know, 10 days of training and, and have a bunch of admins to, to administer your system. All those different pieces have come together. So that wasn't part of the original plan, but, but we're seeing more and more of it and, and sort of leaning into it a little bit. Yeah, that's the, the fun of, you know, I've, I've gone through that even like CRMs are probably one of the most challenging with that. Like, I'd, like, I just want a simple CRM. And then you'd, you'd, you'd go to each one and they'd be like, first, we need to talk to the training team. We need to do a couple of discovery sessions. Like, 
I, I know what I want. I just I want to try it. <laughs> it's you know, project management is is much more. You know, you just want to get in there, try it out, and it, and people figure out pretty quickly. Like I said, I I laugh when you said like you know, you people that say I want to rename a thing. It, if you ask why, it's one of the most powerful things that we. If you go chasing all of those, you know, you know, here's a feature request, and and it'd be like oh. You know, you could find you just set all your developers on these nonsensical tail chasing efforts. And in the end, it would be because you're picking up a, you know, a, a charity organization that's running their, their fundraising team through it. And they're like, that's great. Love that you're using the platform. However, you know, I think you stay to core. And what you'll find is, I believe it's a perfect timing as people see if products can be built successfully at velocity with transparency and understanding of the process, if whatever they're doing and using to do that, it's probably gonna work for other things. And I've got a friend, he works in uh, higher education and on a, in the fundraising area and came from a marketing team, you know, before and approached and said, oh, I see what we've got. You're developing, you know, here's the funnel activities, here's the nurture campaigns, kind of lays it all out. And they're like, no, 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 you don't understand we're we're doing fundraising for a, a university and he's like well let me shit this this is the like explained that when you map it to the, the the nomenclature of funnel and whatever they're like oh oh okay i get it same thing with project management like call it whatever you want it's a story it's an epic it's a and once the names make sense i think people will dig in and so i i i try and encourage more people to use it just for everyday stuff and you know, especially if they're thinking in products and campaigns and stuff, it, it's, it does make sense pretty quickly. Now, Kurt, you, you came from a variety. Like, I loved your history. You've been a, in you know, lots of different types of companies in lots of different locations. Uh, so now this is, this is you. Uh, you know, how was the jump to, to, to being a founder uh, from you know, coming from the, the consumer side to now, now being a hundred percent responsible for the outcome. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been, been a lot of fun. I mean, my, my last job before this, I had a, I had a 40, 30, 40 person team. When I left, I was CTO at an ad tech company here in New York. So, uh, which is about the same size as, as this entire company right now. So, so kind of, you know, have, I feel like I've been here a little bit before, but uh, it's definitely different to have, um, you know, an entire uh, breadth of, of different teams underneath me, right? And the way I uh, the way I operate is is generally just trying to uh, hire people smarter than myself and letting them do their jobs. So, uh, you know, Mitch is here because he. He already did a great job at this before, and, and I try to you know get as many of those people around as possible so we can scale up the company and, and hopefully good things sort of pop out the other end there. But uh, no, it's been uh, it's been been fun. I, I think from my perspective, like building a big company and 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 building this up, uh, you know, is 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 sort of ultimately not that different in a lot of ways from from building a soft software team you're just trying to organize people to to get things done right and uh i, I think it's been been good from that perspective i think one thing that we did very early on and, and the way i've always approached this has been 
to look at this as uh, if I'm still, uh, you know, doing this in, in 15, 20 years, right? Uh, like, will, will I be happy doing it? And that's sort of how I've always made a lot of decisions and, and bottom lined a lot of decisions around here. So, you know, we, we try to hire, uh, you know, a, a, a fairly diverse set of people so that, you know, we get a lot of different opinions and we try not to hire jerks because I don't want to work with jerks for the next 10 years. Uh, and, uh, you know, like putting together, uh, you know, if you always kind of look at that and, and don't think of it as, you know, this is a startup, uh, you know, I'm going to sell this company in five years or whatever. If you always kind of take a long-term view on things and, and, and realize that long-term, you know, there's, you, you, you want to build things up. You want, you want to grow, you want, you want to build a great company. Uh, but, but a big piece of that is making sure you have the, the right mix of people and, and a lot of really good people. Uh, you know, I, I think the best thing about, you know, where I sit is really, I get to, in a lot of ways, choose, choose almost everyone either directly or indirectly who, who I end up working with. And, and not a lot of people sort of get that opportunity. And, and I don't think it, it's not something that I want to, uh, waste. So to me, it's all about, all about the people and, and bringing together really a uh, great set of people. And I think, you know, once you, once you've done that, uh, you know, not that there aren't going to be problems. There's always problems everywhere, but, uh, you know, like it, the bottom line is it, it'll work itself out and, and great stuff will come out of the other end. It's funny when we, when I talk to people and you know, now having been, I'm at a, you know, a 500 person startup, 10 years old. So I, I, I shouldn't call it a startup at this point, but you know, and, and we've, the same approach had, has held true. And, and I believe the outcome, right. Is that, like I said, if you, if you, are in directly involved or at least indirectly involved in, in who you choose, especially because it's that, that creates and nurtures the culture that, I mean, it's bound every once in a while, like you said, it happens, you know, we, everybody's got challenges, life changes, people change, you know, things can happen. But for the most part, if you, if you maintain that strength of consistency and culture, hire people that you want to hire, and some people get really weirded out. They're like, oh, well, doesn't that seem a little too, you know, high touch? Like, doesn't that seem like they're too controlling? And like having lived through companies where people were completely disconnected from the hiring and then you far, far more risk, you know, of, of difficulty and, and teams become siloed and segregated and separated. So uh, I, I, I can understand and respect the approach that you're, you're taking. And like I said, I'm a, I'm a culture first uh, and company that you wrap around, it becomes good. So it's, it's nice. Just to add to that, I think a lot of companies, um, you know, fall into the trap of focusing on like, as they go through like a hyper growth phase, focusing on just one kind of pillar of, of building a company. And either that's like the product um, pillar that's the sales and marketing pillar um, but at the end of the day like you need to prioritize culture um, so that it is uh, in line as a peer with the with sales and marketing and, and product as you grow um, it's something that you cannot forget about or deprioritize as you scale and you know to your point earlier Eric when you said like you know kudos to those companies that are going through hyper growth scale and you know, like, like the Ubers of the world, right. That have just focused on executing as quickly as you can and hiring as fast as you can, um, you know, to, to IPO. 
Um, there's, but then there's trade-offs, right? There's trade-offs with, you know, um, you know, with, with the culture, right? And, and you saw that, we saw that kind of firsthand with, with Uber. Um, so it's important, like, as we scale, we, you know, maintain a healthy culture, as we build up the other core functions of the business and the other, um, you know, key, key growth drivers of the business. Um, you know, I know it, it, it's just, it's, it's super critical, right? And it's, and founders, especially, and, and CEOs should, um, should keep culture and, and their people um, functions front and center as they grow. Yeah, a great book for folks to read if they, if they haven't already found it. It's, it's called The Founder's Mentality. And it talks about the, the challenges as companies scale where they lose, they lose that focus and, and to <clears throat> the attachment to the vision. So that, that ability to stay focused on, you know, why we came here is, is core. So, you know, and that's not just the month, you know, going behind the, the front of by the elevator bay and, and writing something in, you know, on the wall, it's, it, it's got to live in the people that you hire and, and the way that you run and operate the business. So now workforce uh, are, is your team centralized all to New York? Do you have folks that are, that are remote? How does that work? Yeah. So we, we started the company in New York, but we're about uh, uh, 50, 60% in New York and, and the rest of us are distributed from as far east as Rome and as far west as San Francisco. So kind of, you know, you overlap half a day with us here in, in, on the East Coast, but, but we have people all over the place at this point. Nice. I always had to laugh. It was like one of the famous sort of viral, you know, job posts was for Slack. And it's like, Slack, the company that makes remote, remote workforces, uh, you know, capable. And, you know, we're hiring an SRE, must live in the Bay Area. You're like, wait a second. <laughs> the whole idea that you could be anywhere. Uh, how did you find the, you know, obviously keeping the team close at the start, did it just naturally develop that you started to get more spread out workforce or did, you know, was there a decision that it was the right time? How does that come about? Yeah. So I, I kind of think of it as, as a few distinct phases like the first six or seven people were all here in New York just as we were getting started um, I think when you're that small of a company you know you, you there's there's already enough sort of uh, uh, you kind of have to be off your rocker a little bit to join at that stage anyway so it's a you know, special it, kind of person in it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so it's just one more variable at that point as, as you sort of work through things uh, but we, we reached the point uh, I'd say around 10 people where uh, you know, from my perspective, we had a tool, first of all, you know, to your Slack example, we have a tool that also, you know, enables remote workers and, and, you know, it seemed like it got to the point where we could actually do that and we should start working on it. And we made, made a decision, you know, partially because we, we felt like we could get better people if we hired from everywhere. Um, you know, there's a lot of great people in New York, but, uh, you know, it was great people all over and, and we were coming across more and more of them that we wanted on the team. So uh, that was part of the reason. And then there was another piece there, which was like, well, if we're going to do this, we should do it as early as possible. Because there was a lot of, you know, we use Clubhouse, we use Slack, we use Zoom, you know, all these pieces need to be in place and sort of cultural norms around every meeting has a, has a video call attached to it. 
Um, you know, if, if everybody, you know, if most people are remote and there's a couple of people in the office, everybody's remote. Like all these pieces sort of uh, had to come together to, to, to make that work. And I think it was much easier to do at that stage than trying to do it later. And then retrofitting we- is not an easy thing once you've wrapped around processes that are centric to a location, right? Totally. Yeah. And then I think, you know, it, but even at that point, it was still kind of, uh, I, I don't know if wishy-washy is the word, but we just kept, uh, you know, it, it wasn't super intentional about how we wanted to continue to grow. And then I think over the last you know, four to six months, we've, we've really thought through explicitly, you know, how is this going to work? How are we going to continue to grow remotely? And it's still something that we're working on. I'm not going to claim that uh, we've, we've perfected anything, but I think at this point, you know, now, now we moved from sort of, uh, you know, yeah, this is kind of how we do things, sort of like uh, uh, tribal knowledge to things are written down, this is how things are, are done, and, and sort of making things really explicit so that we can continue to scale this as we continue to grow. So it's been interesting. I have never worked at a remote company before. I think most people probably haven't worked at a remote company before. Uh, so this has been a, a learning process, but, you know, I think we're in a place now where as we continue to grow, this is, this is going to be a, a huge part of, of, you know, our culture and, and, and how we grow things here. Now, the, the fun one is, you know, you've got salt, like the customer count is really cool and impressive, especially for the age of the company. <clears throat> what, Kurt, if you don't mind me asking, what's, what's one of the greatest mistakes you've, you've made in the, in the founding years of the company? Was there something that happened that was almost accidental that, maybe helped to turn a corner or, or something that product direction wise that you, you thought this isn't going to work. And then it actually did. That's a good question. I mean, they're just, I think you're constantly making mistakes when you're starting a new company. Um, I mean, looking back, if I could do it again, you know, I, I came from an engineering background. I'd always run engineering teams. I was an engineer. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's easy to get caught up in sort of the, the trap of, you know, this, this is, this is better. It's obviously better. Like it's going to sell itself. Right. And, uh, you know, one thing I've learned, learned from Mitch and, and, you know, if I ever, you know, if whatever happens here, if I ever start another company, you know, I'll, I'll much earlier, you know, be, uh, uh, on top of, of, of marketing and, and making sure that people know about it. Right. Because I, I firmly believe that, you know, we have the, the best product out there, but, but you have to sort of educate people and, and teach them about that and make sure they know, uh, you know, this is a, this is a better product. This is why. Um, and, and, you know, like figure out earlier on how, how, how to make that happen. I, I was talking to someone who, who was a CEO of another company and I was saying, oh yeah, we have a, we have a better product. And, and he said something like, yeah, you know, Silicon Valley is, is littered with the corpses of better products because nobody knew about them. So, <laughs> figure out how, how, you know, figure out how you can get it out there, right? So, you know, in a very, like, I, I think, common error made by, uh, you know, engineering or companies started by people with engineering backgrounds. Like, I didn't, didn't recognize sort of the, the, the power of, of marketing and, and how this is going to help us grow. So, so if I could go back and, and do something different, I think I would have started that, that process much earlier. 
Yeah, it's an interesting thing. Like it's it's so hard to find out when the right time is. My my favorite thing that I somebody wrote down. I should get this printed on the card. Says you can lead a you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. In fact, that's called prospecting a horse to water. It's not a lead until it actually drinks. <laughs> and the good the good news there is that we're making up for lost time, so we're making up a, a lot of ground. Yeah, no, that's and that's the thing. It's uh, you know you'll look back in a couple of years and, and it gives you a chance to say like, ah, I could have done that sooner. And maybe for all the right reasons, things were done in the cadence they were. And, you know, your, your team's growth and your approach to it is, has got you here. I, I will gladly tell the story uh, and share, share the product and the platform and, and your story for both of you going forward. You're in good hands with, so Amber, for folks that have ever looked at somebody who knows how to spot companies that are doing really good things, follow the Amber Roland agency. Amber's wicked cool, super nice, um, and, and she knows how to, how to really tell, help to tell a great story, and you, you both have such a great story. So you know, to wind up, uh, what's the, have you got anything coming up towards the, this year that's, that's big on product, or, or what's the, the thing that people can look forward to over the next coming months with, with Clubhouse? Yes. Yeah, so uh, one thing that we are in the process of releasing, so Clubhouse was originally built without a lot of structure around how you do things and, and how you build things out. Um, and, you know, one thing that's sort of been the, the beating drum for, for years now has been how, how, do, we, how do we run iterations through this and, and sprints. And we have, we, I think we've come up with a really uh, cool way to do that. Like, a, 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 again, sort of plays to fast, easy, like, and, and, and makes people's lives a lot better. And that's in the hands of, I think, 25 companies at this point. So uh, sometime within the next few weeks, I hope to have that in beta and, and really fill that gap there. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's been a long time coming and we're pretty, pretty excited about that. Um, and, uh, and gonna, gonna get that out the door and, and do some good stuff there. Um, on top of that, uh, I think there's a, you know, we, we've got all sorts of stuff coming down the pipe from, uh, you know, uh, an Android app is not out now in, in, in beta and, and different things like that to, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're talking a lot about, uh, you know, some, some more road mapping and, and different things like that to show people how things are going. But uh, uh, my product team will, 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 will get mad at me if I promise too much here. And, and, <laughs> Good call. <laughs> That's, they're, they're, all, they're cringing in the background like, don't say, don't promise anything. <laughs> no, no promises, except for iterations. That, that, that's <clears throat> dropping here over the next few weeks. But a lot of cool stuff on the docket, uh, I think. You know, we're at the point where we feel really good about the product as it is. And, uh, you know, the, the team here has a lot of certain sort of innovative ideas to do things that other tools uh, either can't or, or won't let you do. And, and we're about to dive into that over the back half of the year. Nice. Well, and, and for folks, I'm going to raise awareness. Uh, so I run a community it's a weird thing. It's an IT reality competition. Uh, so an actual reality competition for IT. Normally we do this weird thing every year. It's, it's a lot of fun. Uh, and this year we're hosting a 24-hour virtual hack, an online hackathon. And it will be powered by Clubhouse. So the whole lead up to it, uh, as well as the 
the the the actual management of it during the hackathon i'm going to we're going to be using the platform so awesome. that's unprompted so i got to say that out this is this is literally it was my choice uh, uh as a as a user of the platform and and i, I it really mapped well to what I'm looking to achieve. Um, so hopefully I'll be on the other side telling a story about how people who didn't know about the platform used it and, and their experiences. So we'll, I'll let you guys know uh, how that goes. That's awesome, Eric. Thanks. And you know, the, the way we keep getting better is, is feedback from people. So you and anybody else out there, we we love to hear, hear, hear what people think, good and bad, as they're using Clubhouse. Eric, we'll have to send you some uh, t-shirts and some swag your way. Nice. All right. My people. There you go. Unprompted, folks. Unprompted. Hashtag ad. I guess I got to say something like that. I, I don't know. I don't know what the FTC rules are on stuff like that. So no, it, I want to thank both you. Uh, we got to wind up for today. We will keep in touch and uh, we'll, we'll get connected again when we've got new things coming out. Uh, how do folks get a hold of, of you, uh, Mitch and Kurt, if they wanted to get some feedback to you? Yeah, uh, so we are uh, Clubhouse on Twitter. Uh, I'm Kurt, K-U-R-T, on Twitter. Both of them easy to find exactly what you think they'd be. Um, and, you know, we're at, we're at clubhouse.io on the web. I don't have a cool Twitter username like like Kurt. I wasn't at the, the first Twitter meeting that was ever held. So <laughs> That's crazy. Who did you kill to get that one? Eh? Yeah. I think Kurt was at the first Twitter meetup. I think I was at some sort of a meetup in San Francisco where it was announced. So that's why I have at Kurt. So. Nice. <laughs> I'm just at Mitch Wainer. Pretty, uh, pretty boring. That's it. It's a good place to be. You're talking to a guy who's at Disco Posse. And that's because being Eric Wright is really <laughs> generic. Like, uh, so I, I had to go completely off the, off the deep end. All right. Well, Mitch, Kurt, thanks very much for taking the time. Uh, and uh, yeah, for folks that want to get involved, want to see it, go to clubhouse.io, uh, check it out, follow virtualdesignmaster.io. We've got uh, announcements coming up. We'll, we'll see. <clears throat> we got some webinars going on and, and a lot of cool things. So we'll, we'll keep everybody apprised of, of how we use the product and, and, you know, hopefully people love it. That's really what it is. It's like, use it, love it. You know, if not give feedback. Uh, and if you do love it, give feedback too. Uh, it's too easy for people to give bad feedback. So don't forget to say you liked it as well. So thanks very much to both of you. Thanks, Eric. Awesome. Thanks, Eric. You're listening to today's Cool Posse Podcast.